Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Grace Church Online. We continue our series, Character Sketch, and this, the seventh installment of our series, we are joined by the Reverend Dr. Ed Glover of the Urban Impact Foundation. Pastor Ed will be preaching on the discernment of Samuel and how we can hear God's voice through his word. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, and uh, I just want to bring us back to the video that you've seen earlier about Man Up. Just want to encourage you as men, really, the event is not there to beat you up, it's there to build you up. I've been doing this five years, it'll be our sixth year, we sell it out, so you need to, that early bird deal, get a hold of that as quickly as you can and be part of it, because stuff will get sold out. You have breakouts that you have to line up for, you have to ask for, and if you don't get there early, then you don't get your breakouts, so please do that. But what I'm saying is this, that as men today now, you know, I've been doing it for five years. People meet me in the grocery store. They'll see me at lunch. I'll be out at lunch at dinner, and they'll come up to me, and they'll say, Ed, you know, I'm a grandfather, or I'm just a brand-new father. I someday will be a father. So I've been to the event, and we live in a culture, and it's very difficult now to just try to figure out and discern what to say to your kids, you know, what I'm supposed to do as a man. And, I'm, you know, people are struggling, guys. And what we do is we come together to really equip you, to come alongside of you, strengthen you, where iron sharpens iron. But at the same time that we come to minister to all of us, we're also there for a purpose, for a cause. And that cause, a mission to transform, if you will, the problem we have in America. It's an epidemic. It's called fatherlessness. Do you know 24 million children in America are growing up without a dad? You imagine that? 24 million children. That's more than almost... 40% of the kids in America. And that's not talking about dads that are disengaged. That's talking about dads in the home. And if I showed you all the statistics that are happening with families today, it would really make it a depressing time today. But we're taking that on. And what's wonderful is that not only is Pittsburgh taking that on, but so is Charlotte. This year we're going to do Man Up in Charlotte on June 2nd, and then we're going to do Man Up right here on June 9th in the city of Pittsburgh. Yes, we're working with the Steelers. We're working with the Panthers down there in Charlotte. And we're going to turn the tide. We're going to impact men, all men, 15 years old and up. And ladies, this is for you more than it is for your men. Because if we can get your men to love God, that means they're going to love you. And if they love you, they're going to be able to love your kids even deeper. So I would encourage you during Father's Day, it's just before Father's Day, you make it a point. You give this gift to your to your man, and you send them off. And if you've got kids or grandkids, bring them along. Make it a family deal. Get there so we can sharpen one another, so that we can turn the tide of fatherlessness. People are always asking me, why is this seeming to go from one city to another city? Could have the possibility of going to other NFL cities? Why it's Why it's happening? Because of this. Hear me. Because people love God. God's people love God, yes. But second reason is God is the father, the father of the fatherless. And when you get about doing what he's doing, what's it say in the Bible? Real religion is what? Impacting the widow, the orphan, and the poor. And when we as the body of Christ get about doing that, we will see things that we never believed, never even imagined. Man, I'm asking you to lock arms, get as many men as you can, put them in that room that day. When you're worshiping there with 1,500 guys, guys, there's nothing like it. It's amazing. And I want to say something to the youth. Young guys, listen, I've been a youth pastor really for 30 plus years. There's nothing greater that, I, that God has allowed me to do than this man up 
for such a time as this, men, all the young men in the room, I know you're struggling. I know you're talking to people that are struggling. And they're trying, a lot of things are going on in our culture. This is the time to come together as men and let's get about God's business. And there's going to be answers there, guys, and you don't want to miss it. It's amazing. When we started this, we had about 29 young people. Now we have close to 300 showing up. And when they show up, they say it's one of the greatest experiences of their lifetime because they're in a room with 1,500 other guys praising God and just being excited about being a man. Amen? Amen. So let's join us, man. Let's join Lock Arms. Let's get this done in our city. Let's turn the tide of fatherlessness. With that being said, let's get into what we're doing here today. And today we're talking about hearing the voice of God or, or if you will, uh, discerning the voice of God. How many of you have had a hard time discerning whether or not God has said something to you or not? Raise your hands. Everybody should raise your hand because everybody's had a hard time doing that one time or another. We've all struggled with that. Well, today we're going to look at Samuel. And we're going to look at a time when he was a little boy and he was able to discern the voice of God. So we're going to learn from the word of God and from Samuel how we can hear God's voice. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for who you are. And I would ask right now that you'd forgive me, cleanse me of any sin. You'd fill me with your spirit. You'd speak through me to your people. And we as your people wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of it. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I found an illustration this week that really just ties into what we're talking about. And here it is. Back when the telegraph was the fastest way to communicate long distance, a young man applied for a job as a Morse code operator. Everybody know what Morse code is? Can you just raise your hand? You know what Morse code Okay, I want to make sure, y'all. I've heard that term. It's old, right? Answered an ad. This guy answered an ad in the newspaper. He went to the office to apply. When he got there, he entered, entered into a large, busy, busy office filled with noise and clatter, including the sound of a telegraph in the background. A sign instructed job applicants to fill out a form and wait until they were called to enter into the inner office. The young man filled out his form, sat down to wait with the other applicants in the waiting room. After a few minutes, the young man stood up and walked right into the inner office. The other applicants wondered, what's going on? They didn't hear anyone call. Within a few minutes, the employer walked out of his office with the young man and said, gentlemen, thank you for coming. The job just has been filled. The other applicants began to grumble and one spoke up, wait a minute. I don't understand. He was the last one to come in and we never got a chance to be interviewed. That's just not fair. That's not fair. The employer said, I'm sorry, but all the time you've been sitting here, the telegraph has been ticking out the following message in Morse code. If you understand this message, then come right in. The job is yours. None of you heard it or understood it. This young man did. The job is his. You know, we live, yeah, we live in a world full of busyness and noise like that office, and sometimes it's very difficult to hear God's voice. Very difficult. So this morning, we're going to be talking about how to hear the voice of God. In other words, how to get rid of all the distractions in your life and be able to really tune in and hear God's voice. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Let me talk to you a little bit about Samuel. Scholars believe in our passage that Samuel is about 6 to 8 to 6, no, I'm sorry, 8 to 12 years old. 
right in there. So the question is, how did this young boy become a minister? Hear me now. Hear me now. A minister alongside of Eli, the high priest. I mean, a little boy. How did he become a minister alongside not just a priest, but the high priest? How did that happen? you have any idea? It happened because Hannah, Samuel's mother, was at the end of her rope. See, she was barren. She couldn't have children. So she began to cry out to God because, see, in her culture, women who couldn't have children were seen as less than a woman. It was a bad deal. So she began to cry out. She wanted to be a mother, and God heard her prayer. And she said, listen, if I have a son, give me a son. If I have a son, I will turn him back to you, Father. I will give him back, dedicate him to your service. So God granted her. She had a son, and she named him Samuel. And Samuel means this. It means God heard. God heard, or asked of God. As soon as Hannah weaned Samuel, she kept her promise. She took Samuel and placed him in the care of Eli. Eli, an aging, almost blind high priest. And Eli became responsible for Samuel's welfare, education, and he began to disciple Samuel so that he was prepared for a lifetime of service. If you know anything about Samuel, you know that Samuel became one of the greatest prophets and judges in the history of Israel. As a matter of fact, two books in the Old Testament bear his name. And why was Samuel seen as such a great man of God? Because at an early age, he learned to discern the voice of God. He learned to hear God's voice. And not just be a hearer of God's voice, but a doer. That's why I always pray. That we wouldn't just be hearers of God, but we would be doers. In other words, we would be obedient to what we've heard. And that's why Samuel was so great. He just didn't hear from God. He was obedient to it. Which leads us back to our passage. In verse 1 it says this, The word word of the Lord was rare. What does that mean, rare? It's talking about infrequent, scarce. Why Why wasn't God speaking? Was he ignoring his people? No. Not at all. Let me explain. In the time that Samuel was serving in the temple, during that time, Israel had a history. And the history had a cycle to it. It was amazing. It was called the Era of Judges. Can you say that? The Era of Judges. What does that mean? It means this. That Israel got stuck in a cycle. The cycle was this. That they would become rebellious towards God. They would sin. So God would hand them over to their enemies to discipline them. Then a famine would usually show up, and then the people would cry out. And when they would cry out, God would raise up a judge. And that judge would deliver them from their enemies. And during that judge's lifetime, most of the time, the people of Israel were were obedient to God. But as soon as the judge died, then all of a sudden they forgot God, and they went back to rebelling against him. And this went on Over and over again, like a cycle. They never learned from their past sins. They just kept repeating their history. They'd go out. They'd rebel against God. God would turn them over to their enemies. There would be a famine. He would raise up a judge. The judge would deliver. And this went on for a long time. During the time that Samuel is serving at the temple, this is is where they are in the cycle. They're at a time when Israel is at peace with their enemies But they are, as a people, rebelling against God. Let me give you an example. Samuel, right, he's with Eli. Eli is the high priest. 
Eli had two sons, and they were wicked. Eli's the high priest. The two sons were priests. They were in the temple, and they weren't doing so good. What they did is they would steal when the people would come to the temple. So they were stealing from the people and God. And then when they would take advantage of the women sexually as they came to serve at the temple. And I could go on and on and on, the stuff that they were doing. We're talking about wicked things happening, if you will, in the church. So when the Bible says in our passage that God, or if you, for example, uh, in the scriptures where it says, in those days the word of the Lord was rare. It wasn't that God wasn't willing to speak to the people. The people weren't willing to listen. They just weren't willing to listen. So while the whole nation of Israel has not heard from God for a long time, why did this young boy hear from God, Samuel? How'd that happen? First of all, it's because he was faithful. He was a servant of the Lord. He was not one who was in a rebellious time with God. He was not rebelling against God. And because God... Because he wasn't rebelling against God, he was a servant of the Lord. God could speak to him. You know what that tells us? That that should encourage you. We live in a world, in a nation especially, in a world that doesn't seem like they're listening to God at all. It looks like they're rebelling against him all the time. But it means if you're willing to be faithful, if you're willing to be a servant of the Lord, God will continue to speak to you. Amen? He will speak to you. But you know the second thing that Samuel did is not only he was faithful, he put himself in a place where he could hear God. He put himself in a place where he could hear God. You know, have you ever been on a cell phone, having a cell phone call, and all of a sudden the the call drops, right? How many of you, okay, let's all raise our hands. I was in the kitchen this week, on the phone with my friend, having a conversation, and the phone call drops three times. Why? Because this friend of mine is driving around in a car. So he gets in a place where we can't hear, the calls drop, so finally he pulls the car over, gets into a place where we have a good connection, we have a conversation, we make our decision that we had to make. This is what's happening with with Samuel at this time. He's never really heard God before, so God speaks to him three different times, but the calls drop. Look what happens, verse 4. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. He ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. This happened how many times? Three times. Three times that call dropped. Verse 9. So Eli stood Samuel. Go and lie down. If he calls you, speak. Say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. Now the reason why Samuel changes is because he realizes that God is calling this boy. So he tells him, you go lay down and you say, speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. And what did Samuel do? Do exactly what he, what he told him to do. He went and lay down in his place. Then in verse 10, the Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, just like the three times he showed up. He said, Samuel, Samuel, but this time, what's the difference? This time he's willing and looking and anticipating for God to speak to him. Where do you go? When do you go? That you go looking and expecting God to speak to you. Where do you go? What am I talking about? What I'm talking about is that quiet time. Where do you go to be alone with God? Where do you go to hear his voice? Where do you go to open up your word and pray to him with expectation that God is going to speak to you? Where do you go do that? When do you do it? For where we are to go consistently to God, 
daily. We're talking about a quiet time now. Quiet time to talk to God and let God talk to us. That doesn't mean that God can't speak to you throughout the day because he can. But there's that time that you set aside. Why is that so important? Because we live in a world with unbelievable distractions. I mean, every morning and every night, we got stuff pinging, buzzing, right? Beeping to get our attention. I did a study this week, looked at some studies, and they say this, that a typical college student can only go two minutes without being distracted by social media. Two minutes. It's just not among young people, though. This is what a book that's called, a book that's called Driven to Distraction says. It says this, the new addiction is to technology. There's impatient centers now for all people of all ages with a technology addiction. We live in a world that is constantly trying to distract us, very difficult to hear God's voice. Where do you go, separate yourself, where you can eliminate those distractions and really tune in to the voice of God? If you're not doing that, I'll guarantee you, you are having a very difficult time hearing God's voice. Really tough time if you don't do that. So where do you do it? When do you do it? Do you do it in the morning? Do you do it at night? Do you, do, you, do you go to your kitchen table to meet God? Do you meet him in your recliner? Where do you go? When do you do it? Because that's a decision that you have to make. God won't make that decision. God is always willing and waiting to meet with you. He wants to communicate to you. But if you don't make the time, sit down and have a conversation with him. Open up the word of God and pray. Then he can't speak to you. That makes sense? That's something that you have to decide to do. There are only two reasons why we don't hear from God. Only two. One is you don't know him. One, you don't know him. Look look what it says in John chapter 8, verse 47. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. That's John chapter 8, verse 47. So what does it mean to belong to God? It means that sometime in your life you realize that you're not perfect and that you need a Savior. And you understood that Jesus Christ died on the cross and was raised again from the dead. And because he walked out of that grave, he has all the power and the authority to forgive you and give to you eternal life. So you stopped living for yourself and you began to live for him. You turned to him and you committed yourself to him. And the moment you committed yourself to him, you were, as the Bible says, you were born again of the spirit. And at that point, God came and dwelt within you. You began a relationship with Jesus Christ who brought you back into a right relationship with the heavenly father. And now you can have a conversation with God anytime you want. And God could speak to you. Why? Because you belong to him. You were a creation of God's before, but now you became a child of God because you came to know his son. And in that moment, all that was that was keeping you from knowing God was broken away, taken away, and you go right through, and now you can have a relationship with him. And you can talk to him, and he talks to you. So you belong to God. And when you have a relationship, it's always two-way. You're talking to him, and he's talking to you. Second, second reason why we don't hear from God is because we... We're just not willing to listen. We just don't want to listen. And the reason that is, is because we're busy. We become so busy, we're too busy for God. I've been there. I've been there. I, 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 that's happened to me. And let me hear from, from one confessing to you. Listen to this. Beware of the barrenness of a busy life. It's only a matter of time, my friend. 
If you're too busy to talk to God and you're not hearing from him and you just keep doing what you're doing, the consequences will come. You will reap what you sow. And remember the definition of busy. B-U-S-Y. B-U-S-Y. Being under Satan's yoke. It's just a matter of time that the world and the flesh and the devil is going to set you up and then you're going to, you're going to reap the consequences. But I am encouraging you today to take the time, sit down, begin to listen to him, put yourself in a place, no more distractions. You can focus in on God. Then how does God speak to us? That's the question. How does he speak to us? Okay, and I'm willing to do that. I haven't been doing it, but I'm going to, re- I'm going to get back to it. I'm going to have that quiet time. I know the place I'm going to meet. I know when I'm going to meet him, and I'm going to put that in my calendar, and nothing's going to change. I'm going to go do that, and I'm going to sit before God. How's he talk to us? Six different ways, but I'm going to only talk about one of them. Six ways. Here they are. His word, the fivefold ministry, the Holy Spirit, prayer, miracles, and circumstances. That's the way that God speaks to us. Today, I don't have enough time to go through all those. That would be a six-week series, believe me. But I'm going to talk to you about the one that's most common and most frequent, and that is the word of God. But let me just say a few things about those other ways in which God speaks to us. First of all, what do I mean by a five-fold gospel ministry? What's that all about? It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. This is what it says. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers a five-fold ministry to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. In other words, when you come to a place where a pastor, a preacher, or someone is opening up the word of God to you, you can be confident that God is going to use that vessel and his word to speak to you. So just as I'm speaking right now, yeah, I'm just like you, but God has given me a gift. He uses that gift as a vessel of me to get to you as I preach and teach you the word of God. God is teaching. God is speaking. It's so important that you understand that. Do you know that Jared and I, as pastors, that we are absolutely going to be accountable to how well we train and equip you? I'm going to stand before my God, and he's going to keep me accountable. Did you tell him the truth? Did you teach them? Did you train them? Did you equip them? But you're going to stand there accountable. And he gives us a parable, the parable of the sower. Hear me. The parable of the sower, he says this. He says, it's all about how you hear the word and what you do with it. How many of you know the, the parable of the sower? You just raise your hand. Raise them up high now. It's kind of dark in here. Okay, good. Most of you, it's all about how you hear the word. And then as that word falls on soil, it's, re- it's talking about your heart. Listen, the same sun that can bake the clay, make the clay hard, can melt the butter. When the word of God is being spoken... It will either harden your heart or make your heart soft. It's all about how you hear and what you do with that word. As I'm speaking to you, you're going to be accountable to what I've just said. And that, and that word is going to fall on your heart and how you respond, how you hear and then be obedient, you're going to be accountable for. Does everyone understand that? Just shake your heads or something. Now, why am I doing that? Why do I say that I want you to respond? I just told you why. I'm going to be accountable. And I want to make sure you know. You know why? Because God wants you to succeed. 
He wants you to do it right. He doesn't want you to get to, to, to be mangled by the world. He doesn't want you to get dist, to distracted to where you don't know what to do. So you start making decisions that aren't good, that you screw up. He doesn't want that. He wants you to know how to live as a believer of Jesus Christ. That's why I and the pastors get so... Yeah. Because we want you to get it. Do you understand that? Okay, so when you're with me and I go, do you hear me? You know, just shake your head or, you know, wave your phones with the lights on. You know, okay, man, we got that. Or I'm going to move on now. Here it is. Let's keep going. So here he is. So he speaks to us through his word. That's what he does. And when he speaks to us through his word, he, why does he speak to us through his word? Because it's God's word. It's, why do we speak to us? Because it's God's word. It's God's message to us. It's his communication to us. That's why he does it. But he, not only is it God's words, it's eternal. Remember, the word of God is always, it's always been and always will be eternal. This is what it says in Luke chapter 21, verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Let me say that again. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. What's he saying? He's saying the earth, the universe, the heavens, they will pass away, but my word is eternal. You've heard it said, if it's new, it's not true. What were they saying? What do they say when they say that? What they're saying, if it's true, it's been around forever. In other words, all we do is discover it because truth is eternal because God is the truth. Jesus Christ said, I am the truth. Remember, this word is not like Shakespeare, my friend. It is living. It's living. And he speaks the truth to us through his spirit. Let me say something to you about the... the I want to go back and say a little bit about the fivefold ministry for a minute. I told you about that, but then I didn't say anything about the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament came upon people. The Holy Spirit would come upon them. That's why they heard an audible voice. Because God was out here speaking to them. But when we became a Christian, the moment we became a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit came and dwelt within us. In other words, the Bible says we are born again, born again of the Spirit. And in that moment, the Spirit of God comes and lives within you. So now God does not have to use an audible voice to go through your ears. He can go right up because he dwells within you, right up into your mind. He speaks to your mind. Do you know that some of the thoughts that you have are not just your thoughts, they're God's thoughts? And what we have to do is discern what those thoughts are. Is that God or is it me? And how you discern that? By you discern that thought against the word of God. And if you know the word of God, God will never go contrary to what his word word says. So if you want to know that that thought is of God or God is speaking to you, you always got to take your thoughts and compare them to the word of God because God's word will never change. It's not only eternal, but it never changes because it's the truth. Let me ask you this. Would you go out and buy a a science book that's out of print? You know, it's, it's outdated. Would you go out and buy, if you will, a computer book that's outdated? No. Why? Because it's not, it's outdated. Listen, the word of God is never has been, never will be outdated. It's the truth. And God uses this word to speak to you. And he does it through truth and spirit, spirit and truth. That's how we live. 
So if you want to get away with God and put yourself in a place where you can hear from him, he will speak if you open up this word and you ask that the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, who's the receiver, will help you understand this word. And then you can begin to understand it. Do you understand that? That is so important. Most people just open up the word and start reading. I never do that. I always ask, Holy Spirit, help me to understand. Because I know I live in truth and spirit. So God speaking. So he speaks to us. Let me tell you how it works. There was a time that I was, uh, Tammy and I, my wife's right over there. My, I never do this, honey, but just so you, they all know that this is the truth. Yes, yeah, I know she's over there. Stand up, please. Would you please give a hand to my wife? Well, that's Tammy over there. Yes. Uh, we never see each other. That's why I said it. No, I'm just kidding. But Tammy and I, this is true. You can go over and ask her. We just got married. We had not been married for very long, probably about six months. And we needed some end tables for our living room. So we heard about a furniture store that went out of business. So we went to that furniture, furniture store, and when we walked in, we met this unbelievable salesman. I mean, he was, really, he was spectacular. We walked in, he greeted us, he took us over to where the end tables were, and he showed us, and we found two. They were really good. About $100 a piece, that was right inside our budget. But then, like a good salesman, he started walking us around the store. And I, I was naive, I was young, I, I thought he was just, you know, showing us the store. No, he was like leading sheep to be slaughtered. I mean, he's just walking us around. And he comes up and he shows us this, this credenza. And I tell you what, it was a spectacular credenza. It really was. He, looked, he said, this was $10,000, but today it's $3,500. And you can own this, take this home, put this in your, in your living room, your dining room, and it will be a spectacular piece of furniture. Then he went on to tell us that the whole idea is this. He said, you know what? This is great investment. It not, will not only serve you, but it could serve your family and your grandchildren. This is a great investment. You need this piece of furniture. I'm standing there going like, wow, this guy. And I look at Tammy and I say, Tammy, do we have $3,500 in the bank? She said, yeah, well, it's a, it's a wedding money, but we got $3,500. That's all we got, but we got $3,500. So this guy convinced us. I'm actually standing over at the table, his table. I'm about ready to sign the papers for this credenza. And I say, wait a minute. Have I prayed about this? Have I gotten God's perspective? I mean, I'm his, I'm his steward. You know, all this, I'm, I'm going account- to be accountable. I, is this where I should spend this money? I should. Pro- and I, looked, I thought, wait a minute, I came in here to get two end tables. Now I'm getting a credenza. <laughs> and then I thought, I sat there and thought, you know, I've been trained in the word. And I thought, wait a minute, haste makes waste. Woo. And then I knew confusion is never from God. Woo. Confusion is never from God. Did you hear that? Ever. So I thought, woo. Wait a minute, I said, let's, let, you know, I'm going to take my wife out to lunch. We're going to think about it. Ooh, we didn't like that. He's trying to, no. So we walk, we go out to lunch. I'm with my wife. No, no, is that true, Tammy? Wave your hand over there. We're out to lunch. And we get all alone. Get in a place where we can pray, where we're going to expect God to speak to us. And we're praying. And I tell you the truth, the word that God gave to Tammy and the word that God gave to me was the exact 
We didn't open up the Bible. He gave it right to our minds. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells within the two of us. And because we studied the Word of God, we knew the Word of God. He brought this certain passage right to us. And this is the passage. Check check this out. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Tammy and I looked at each other and said, okay, let's keep the main thing the main thing. We're going to go in we're going to buy these two end tables. We walked in. I'm not kidding you guys. We walked into that, that store. It was like the entire business department was standing there waiting for us. The entire sales department. I'm not kidding. Is, is that not true? Wave your hand over there. It's a, I walked. I couldn't believe it. We walked up there. We had some very intense fellowship, but we walked out of there with those two end tables. And we went home. We put those end. Yeah, you can clap about that. Praise God. We, we put the end tables there in, 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 in the living room. It was February. But I was a brand new pastor. I'd never done, done my taxes. See, see, pastors, we have to pay our own taxes. We're self-employed. At least I am. Jared, are you? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something really smart, but I'm not going to say that. Okay, so self-employed. So we have to do our taxes, you know. Well, we did our taxes in April. I sent it out. I didn't get a refund. I owed $3,500 to the government. Could you imagine? Listen to me. Could you imagine? That here I have this tremendous credenza sitting in my dining room, and now i got to go to the bank to take out money to pay my taxes. Why is God so desperate for you to talk to him? Do you know the future? Do you know tomorrow? He does. And if you will go to him, get alone and pray and expect him to speak and open up that word consistently, he will guide you and direct you because he is so desperately wants you to be on the straight and narrow path, not walking on landmines, not walking in ditches, not walking on crooked crooked roads, but on the straight and narrow. Why? Because he loves you. He wants to guide you and direct you like Samuel. Samuel went to a place. He learned to discern the voice of God. And then he was obedient to it. Go out of here today. If you don't have a time and a place, put it in your calendar. Meet with God. Open up the word of God. And may all of us be like Samuel. At the end of our days, God will be able to look to you and to me and say, Well done. Good and faithful servant because we were obedient amen Amen. let's pray heavenly father i want to thank you and praise you for who you are you are our god and we are your people we are the children of god and we come to you today and we would ask that you would help us to be like samuel that we would be not only hearers of the word but we would be doers of it you would help us to make decisions wherever we are and whatever we need to do that those decisions would bring glory and honor to your name. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.